Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. You know, we joke about it, but it is so serious. What the spirit of Antichrist is doing in the earth today, what the enemy is doing, these are perilous times. Uh, does everyone, I'm breaking in, does everyone have the notes? Kyle's got notes. If you, you will probably need the notes, raise your hand. Um, so this is, this is an hour in which uh, I keep going back to a verse in Jeremiah. It says, if you can't run with the footman, how can you keep pace with the chariots? And so I have found even in my own life a greater grace to be more in the word, to be more in prayer, to be more disciplined in my thoughts and in loving the Lord with my mind. And, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. But you know what? I also know there's a generation of my grandchildren and your children and your grandchildren that need us older people to be strong in the faith. They need us. And the Lord, when the Lord told Joshua, you know, be strong and of good courage, one of the things he said, be strong and of good courage for the people's sake, for your sake, for the Lord's sake, for the heathen's sake, the lost, but also be strong for your sake, but for the children, for the people. People around you need you to be strong in the Lord. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the person of the Godhead that is here on earth and inside of us who name your name, Jesus. And I ask Ephesians 3.16 would descend in this room right now, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our inner man with divine might to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to keep us, as Marissa shared from you, that you would give us the grace to stay focused, to stay stay with our minds, stayed on you, that we would receive all that you have for each of us today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Sometimes, um, every once in a while, I wind up uh, having more message than I have time. And that happened a few weeks ago. I had more message. I had more the Lord had put on my heart than I had time to, to, to talk about and to, and to cover and to share. And so today is part two of the five-step healing prayer model that I learned uh, from John Wimber. I heard, first heard from him in 1984 about this. I'm sure he'd come out with it before that, <clears throat> but he actually came to our church in Waco, Texas at that time. And, you know, he passed it on. And John Wimber is the, uh, if you can put his picture up there, I'll just so miss him. He is um, a father in the faith. He planted a f- founding pastor of the Vineyard Church in Anaheim, California, that went on to plant <clears throat> hundreds, thousands of churches around the world, Vineyard, the Vineyard Movement even, and there are still Vineyard churches today. In fact, Kaylee Cashdan's parents 
Kent and Minta, I don't know if they're going to watch that. Are you back? Yeah, they still go to a vineyard church, correct? Cambria Vineyard. And so uh, what a legacy. And so this five-step, I love the title of his book, Everyone Gets to Play. He basically wants to equip all of us to be used of God. And so for 40 years, uh, 38 years since 1984, I have basically followed this guy, this this, uh, prayer model, prayer outline when I pray for people, and uh, it has really, it, it, it's helped. It's helped a lot. It's, it's been something that I wanted to pass on to you, because <clears throat> I want you, when you pray for someone, I want you to see greater results. I want to see, when you pray for the sick, I want you to see God to use you to, to see more effectiveness in your prayers, and I want to see my prayers be more effective. So this is a refresher course for me, and uh, as well, because I want my prayers to be more effective. How many of you would, could say, I want my prayers more effective, right? Yeah. Amen? So, um, so there's going to be lots of scripture today. It's in your notes. Lots of scripture, because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by what Glenn has to say. No. <laughs> faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so... We're going to, <clears throat> to look into this a little more. Um, uh, the truth is, lots of Christians today are battling discouragement at, I believe, unprecedented levels. Their discouragement in the faith, I'm talking about. They may be escaping into other things. But many today are actually stepping away from the faith. Now, I don't have all the answers. You know, the truth is there, there's uh, lots of things that are related to this, to this lukewarmness. But I'll just offer you my opinion. I believe if Christians began to see more power, more of God's power come, more power encounter in a verifiable way in their life, in their family, in all the different areas that touched their life, I believe that would make a world of difference as far as their zeal and walk with the Lord. Now, I covered all five steps last time, but I I really feel like I want us to zoom in on step number three, the prayer selection. The prayer selection, which basically means what kind of prayer should I pray to help someone? And there are a number of different kinds of prayers. So we're going to, that's kind of where we're, we're headed today. This is not, as I've said before, a five-step formula. It's not a methodology for you to follow through. This is a, a set of biblical guidelines. They're biblical that will help us. They're, you don't have to follow these five steps for someone to get healed, certainly, but they give you direction so you can be more specific in your prayer for people. Because I've found generally, people get healed less often when I pray generally. Conversely, I've found people get healed more often when I pray specifically. And so this helps us to be more specific and directed in our prayers. I'm not going to repeat the the five-step model. The the five steps are in these notes that you have. I'm not going to repeat it, but I do think it's good to review 
steps one and two because they set us up well for step three. Steps one and two are the interview and the diagnosis. You don't just dive in and pray for somebody and, oh, Lord, with no clue of what's going on. I mean, people do that, but it's not real smart, right? Interview them. Find out where it hurts. Find out what's wrong. Find out what's going on. That's the interview. And then, with the Lord's help and hopefully with things they share with you, you're able to find out what the cause of the condition is. Why do they have this condition? And so, you can have the, the, the same condition, high blood pressure, problems with hearing, problems with vision, arthritis, you name it. You can have the same condition, but have a different cause, causing that condition. Do y'all follow me? So you can, there are a number of different causes. This is the diagnosis. It could be natural cause. You know, you just, you just fell off your bike and you hurt your back. And so you come up for prayer. I hurt my back. What happened? I fell off a bike. Or it could be I'm, 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 I'm sick. I've got a sickness. Nothing, nothing else to it, just natural cause. Could be supernatural cause. It could be spiritual that, that's causing the condition. It could be uh, social or emotional causes that cause that person to have that condition. It could be demonic. It could be sin, either sin that they've committed or sin committed against them. And it manifests in a physical condition or an emotional fracturedness of, of going on. And so you just don't know what the cause is unless, you know, they help you and the Holy Spirit shows you. But even when you begin to discover the cause, it's, it, it can be, you need the Holy Spirit to help you through the process. And I've prayed for a number of people over the years, and it can get pretty intense when you're praying for them, trying to help them. And so I just think operationally it's a good idea to uh, begin with mercy, go through the, the time ministering to them with mercy, and end with mercy. Because at the end of the day, this is a human being standing in front of you. This is someone Jesus died for. And whether they get healed or not by your time with them, you want them to walk away feeling loved, feeling the love of God through you for them. And I believe God can help us with that, but that's just a good idea to do that. Um, Roman numeral two, the prayer selections, I said, what kind of prayer should we pray? This is where I'll basically spend the bulk of my time. There's basically two kinds of prayers we can select. Two kinds of prayers. There's the prayer toward God, and then there's the prayer from God. And I'll talk about the prayer coming from God, but two directions, toward God and then from God through you as you pray for someone. Yeah. Hmm. My wife said, hmm. Okay. <laughs> you get your wife to go, hmm, after 35 years, that's a, 
She says hung, but about other things, not about something <laughs> revelatory. So, um, yeah, so the most common prayer toward God is petition. Petition, that's a fancy Bible word, but it basically means you're just asking God. You're asking God to come in his, with his presence, to come upon the person with his presence, or to come and bring healing, or to come and bring guidance. You need guidance through the process. You're, you're petitioning, you're asking God, for. you're just saying, Holy Spirit, would you come and rest on this person? Holy Spirit, would you come and bring healing to this person? And sometimes when I've done that, especially sometimes with like a fractured bone or something, I'll invite the Holy Spirit and I'll say, Holy Spirit, like, I'll say, here's what I say, would you move in and mend that bone for, for uh, yeah, for Sharon Vernon right now? Holy Spirit, would you move in, even now, she'll probably watch this today, would you move in directly in that bed, in that room, and mend those fractured bones. So you can directly go right from here into here, or into your shoulder. I had torn labrum in my shoulder. I, Holy Spirit, come and heal the torn labrum. See, so that's prayer of petition. You know, I've got some, uh, some thoughts here from, from some scripture uh, for his presence. Luke 5, 17, I love this verse. It's, a, it's in your notes. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Well, I thought the power, I thought the presence of God was always present. Right, everybody listening? He's always present. I mean, I thought the presence of the Lord was always, he's everywhere, he's omnipresent. But in this verse, it's saying the power specifically of the Lord was in the room present to heal or you pray, let the power of your presence come upon this person to heal. Matthew 6.10, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. It's another prayer for, of petition, inviting his presence. Jesus said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you say, Lord, let your kingdom come to this person I'm praying for. His kingdom is his influence. Let your divine influence come. God needs human agents to invite him to come many times. Let your rule, king's rule, king's reign, let your kingdom as king come and rule in their body and push out that rival kingdom of darkness, of sickness that's making them sick. You're inviting a good king to come and move out a bad king. Okay? Prayer of petition. Amen. I'm doing this for me, by the way. This is all self-interest. Come your kingdom, then healing. You, then you directly ask for healing. I love this verse, Jeremiah 17, 14. You can pray it or, or put their name in it. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me. I'm, I'm sensing even in the room right now, faith is coming. See, faith comes by hearing the word. Hearing and hearing comes by the word. Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me. Oh, yeah, that's one before. All right, James 1. Oh, yeah, that's it. 
Heal me, I will be healed. Save me, I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. Then you're for direction, James 1.5. Most of us know this verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. But did you ever think to, act, to pray that while you're praying in the prayer process? Lord, give me guidance through this process. I'm stuck right now. I don't know what to do. Give me guidance. Would you help me through this process? Now, I want to give you a big word of advice right now. When you're praying for someone, be patient with them. Be patient with them because sometimes it takes time when you're praying with someone. Give him time to move. Christianity is not a microwave. You have to give time for the dove to land. Okay? It's not a microwave. You, you don't, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I got an old, yeah, there's a microwave. You know, wow, how convenient. A, a picture came up. It's not a microwave. It's not like there's a button there, baked potato, pizza, popcorn, reheat, healing. I'll just push healing. 30 seconds later, voila, open the door, I'm healed. Unless it's a miracle. And then that's a quick one. That is. I like those too. But you don't just push the button and, and say, it all 30 seconds. That's why we give time. Give time. It can take 15 minutes. It can take 30 minutes. It can take two hours. I, I had a time where a, a girl I knew at Baylor, uh, I was out of college at that time. She had a tumor on her spine the size of a tennis ball, the size of my fist. She had a tumor on her spine and... My friend, who was an in-law of hers, called me in the Dallas area. said, Glenn, can you come and pray for her? She's been given a few months to live, uh, probably even sooner than that, because when I got in there, it was not good. She had a bucket where she would vomit. She was just 20, 25 years old. And so I'd come in. I, the Lord said, fast, Kyle. <laughs> Oh, it said fast, because fasting for unbelief to get it out. So a couple of days of fasting. So I get there, go to her room, and I feel her spine. And it's like, it's like I could feel it, a tennis ball or, or even bigger. I don't want to say softball, but whatever. So I start praying. The Lord leads me through this five-step process, very different things here, there. We did use the bucket Two hours later, that tumor went from that down to like a marble or a ping pong ball. And you're like, why didn't it all happen? Well, I don't know, but she didn't die for years and years, and I don't know fully what happened or when, but the Holy Spirit just said, okay, you're done now with the, with the healing. But it wasn't a 10-minute a process. It was two hours. So that was a, you could say a miracle, yes, but it was a, a healings can take a while. It can take weeks, actually. I'm, I'm telling you all this because John Wimber said, everyone gets to play. How many of you want to play? Okay, so let's learn to play. Let's learn the rules so we can all help people and not just say, well, I love you. I'll pray for you. 
It's good, but how do you do that, right? Let's love people in action that with the gifts of the Spirit as well. So, um, so yeah, that's, it, can take, it can take time. <clears throat> little b, paragraph little b. Another prayer toward God is you can pray in the Spirit. You can pray in tongues. It's a form of intercession. Not, 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 not pray with spirit, you know, not pray with gusto, you know. You pray in the Holy Spirit, the gift of, the gift of tongues. Um, you're interceding at that point. You're not petitioning, you're interceding. <clears throat> and so I'm praying toward God, asking for help. I, as I'm in the middle of a process, I'll just hit a roadblock and go, hmm, start praying in tongues. And in the middle of that process, various, sometimes the Holy Spirit will drop a gift of the Spirit in while I'm praying in tongues, and I will know exactly what's wrong with the person at that moment, what caused it, and then I can move in and begin to minister to them. You see, now tongues, I know some of you may go, tongues, well, I thought like that too. I, the thing I thought, I thought that's, that's weird, tongues. But, but for, for many years, I just thought, I didn't really see the value of tongues, or praying in a prayer language, because I didn't know what benefit it was. I just, I just thought tongues was for those weird Christians that were just kind of social outcasts, and they just pray in tongues. Then I'd go to Baylor University, and it was so interesting Uh, I met certain people at Baylor University who spoke in tongues. Yes, Baylor, a good Baptist university, wasn't ORU, it was Baylor. But the interesting thing was, those who who spoke in tongues were some of the most fiery Christians on campus. I was like, hmm, this is, I know it's in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, but I don't know, you know, so I began to think about it. And then there was a very prominent worship leader known all over Baylor campus. He was also a worship leader in a church in the city there in Waco. And, uh, and somehow we got to become some, be friends. I was like, wow, he's so, you know, gifted. But I'm sitting with him one time, <clears throat> we're hanging out, and I said, Chris, this whole thing with tongues is just so weird. What is, what, uh, you know, it's Bible, but, and he looks at me, locks eyes, he goes, Glenn. I speak in tongues. And I was like, you know, like zoom the camera in. You know, it was like Twilight Zone. Not you, you know. But it really caused me to, that's really what it was. I still remember sitting talking to him like, oh, wow. So not everybody at Baylor spoke in tongues. We did have a group called Second Chapter of Acts come and do this concert, and half of Waco Hall got up and left because they started singing in tongues. And so we went back to the dorm and thought about it and talked about it because they were freaking out. Anyway, I I digress. (laughs) I was freaking out at that time. I didn't. So, but after I received the gift of tongues, uh, for years, I just thought it was a way to help me praise God better because I don't, you know, I can only sing, you know, a praise song so many times, so I was like, so I thought it was just that, and then one day, I'm at a prayer meeting in Rockwell, Texas, at a church called Church on the Rock, we would have 6 a.m. prayer every morning, 
Monday through Friday, and I'm at a 6 a.m. prayer meeting up there, and in the middle of the prayer meeting, I start praying in tongues. And then I got this impression, now stop praying in tongues and just open your mouth, and I'm going to give you the, you know, you're going to know what you just said. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, open my mouth, and I just say, the name, my name is a strong tower. My name is a strong tower. Run to me. Run to me. It's like, well, that sounded like, a, like it was God. <laughs> so I go, and I'm working at the mall. I'm selling. I'm at the Foley's that day. <clears throat> yes, Foley's. Sanger Harris. I know, old. So I'm at the mall, and, I'm, and it was the 18th day of the month, and as my custom at that time, I read the proverb for the day. I read Proverbs 18. When I got to verse 10, it said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. And I'd never read that verse before, never remember. And I was like, oh, this tongues, can, you can interpret it. And then I realized that first, 1 Corinthians 14, it's in your notes, verse 13, let he who prays in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret so I was like, wow, this really helps. So I use that prayer selection, praying in tongues, as a tool often. It's a very profitable tool, and it helps me to know what to do next. Now, another verse about the value of tongues is 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says, anyone who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That means edifies means builds himself up, exalts himself. And so praying in tongues builds you up. And the picture I have of build being built up is like your antenna goes up. Like, and again, I'm old. Trans, I had transistor radio go, growing up. All right? It's like your, the antenna goes up and you can hear. This, okay, raise your hand if you know what that is before. Okay, 50%. Okay. 20%. But that's what tongues does. When we couldn't hear the station, grew up in Albuquerque, KQEO, radio, had all the hits, the Archies, Sugar Sugar, Partridge Family, you know, so I would pull up the antenna and I could hear better. That's what praying in tongues can do. You don't have to pray in tongues, but you get to if you're a Christian you want to get filled with the Spirit, we pray at the end of today. Say, I want to be filled. I want that gift. I want to be able to do that. So that's prayers toward God. Paragraph B, big B, <clears throat> second kind of prayer selection is prayers from God. Where God gives you something where you speak as, as, a, as if God is speaking directly to them. Prayers from God is the second kind of prayer. You petition, you intercede, and then sometimes God answers and he will give you the command of faith. Numerous times in the New Testament, we see the command of faith. We see it, you know, it's rise, stand, see, walk, pick up your bed. Come forth. All of those are in the New Testament, 
and they are com- the command of faith. Now, you can't just adopt these, you know, anytime you want. You can't just say, oh, oh, that's the prayer I'm supposed to, supposed to pray. Okay, well, come forth. Rise and walk. You know, go up to someone in a wheelchair. Okay, rise and walk. Just because it, oh, I, I know it's in the Bible. No, that you, you can't do it. You would look pretty silly if you did that. So I'm explaining right now, really listen to what the command of faith is. It is something that, that's an unction of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you. They come upon you. They come under the immediate download of the Spirit. The immediate download of the Spirit. They have to be initiated by the Spirit. Stirred in your inner being. And then the Spirit of God will cause you to do it. And when he does, he does. And you say, what just happened? Well, God just happened. It's the command of faith. I remember a time in East Texas, I was teaching a foundation class, like our RIF 101 class called Finding the Rock. And it was a foundation, it was like the fourth or fifth week of the class I was teaching on being uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit with tongues. And so anyone who wants the gift of tongues, come forward and line up, and I'll pray for you. And I have, I'm just honest, you can pray for me, I have a dismal record when it comes to laying hands on someone and having them all of a sudden speak in tongues. Not good. It still happens, but... So I go down the line, you know, praying, nothing, they want, and they're kind of looking at me, and then pray again, pray again. And then I'm like the fourth one was a, a young man, and I could tell he really wanted to, but, you know, it just wasn't, he wasn't praying, you know, he wasn't baptized in spirit with tongues. So I went past him, I went like two or three more people praying, and then I looked back at him, and before I could even process, I go back to him, and I go, now. Like I yelled. It's like I'd been all calm, teacher, I go, now. And he goes, That's real, true thing. Now, I didn't just go back and go, well, I'll do that now. Now, now, you know, like a TV evangelist in the whenever. You know, it it wasn't it. It was was the Holy Spirit came upon me for the moment. And if I'd stop to toy with it and think about it and go, well, I don't know. You know, it just, it was like a bubble. I'm sorry I'm going to say this illustration. You're going to know, you know, it's like a belch. It's like it's coming up and you're like, Bleh. but it's, it's faith. You're stirred in your faith. And I just went, now. Now, you say, well, that may ne- never happen to me. But you see all those places in the New Testament where it happens, you know, rise, stand, see, walk. John Wimber tells some, some really cool stories when he was in England there was a very wealthy, high socialite woman uh, in one of the, the prayer meetings. The, the power of the Lord was present in the whole room, and, uh, and so it was pretty loud. So this very sophisticated woman says, uh, asked him to pray for her arm. And so he couldn't hear very well, so he starts praying for her arm, 
And then he asks her, how's, how, you know, can you, how do you, can you lift your arm? Lift, he goes, now lift your arm, like test it. And she said, oh, you don't understand. I wasn't born with the muscles to lift my arm. And so he's like, oh, well, you don't need a healing. You need a miracle. Receive it. And as soon as he did, she went, she just burst out just in a great laughter. And then she's just like, and she starts running around the room. You see, it was a command of faith that came upon him for the moment. Then her grandmother, so that must have meant she was really old. Grandmother was, was next to that lady. And he turned to her and she had big eyes wide open, but they were white. Oh, that she was blind. She had glaucoma, and they're just white over the pupils. And without even thinking about it, he just, he couldn't believe it, but he just looked at her, and he said, see. And instantly, her eyes became beautiful brown pools. Instantly, by the command of faith. And that woman knew how to get healed, man. She was running and screaming and grabbed her grandchildren. She's dancing around. John Wimber was sobbing because he had never seen such power. It's the prayer from God. I want more of those. So I'm preaching myself into some of that right now. Now, all of these are unctions. They come upon you. They come upon you for the moment. And if you hesitate, they're gone. So we have to learn to be sensitive and wait on those things when they come. When they come, you got to go with them. you got to go right then. You can't be all Western, rational, well, let me check this out. You know, just, just go for it. Get out of the boat and go for it, okay? Amen. I'm, I'm talking myself into it, believing it. It's command of faith. I'm going to give you, in closing, my time kind of ending here, I'm going to give you a couple of... Uh, of, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a couple of passages about the command of faith. First one is Acts 3, verse 6, Peter and John, you know, they're going by the gate beautiful. There's a, a, a lame man there, and, and they say, and Peter says, he looked at him, and then he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Here's the command, rise and walk. Rise and walk. Command of faith. I'm a, if we have time, I, I'm going to go ahead and read that passage. Is that all right? I just, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing because it's, it's powerful. Um, I've typed it out here. So Acts 3, I think it's going to be up there. Yeah. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. I don't know if I said he was blind. He was lame. Lame from his mother's womb, born lame, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. He was there to ask alms from those who entered the temple. See, he, could, he was a beggar because he couldn't make money any other way, and he couldn't go glean the fields, which is what the poor could do. So that's what he, that's what he relied on. And so he's there year after year, lame, never walking, um, and, he, and uh, they entered, and so he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he asks for alms, asks for money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. 
So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Praise God. Now, I'm purposely giving you examples that are not Jesus. Because we know Jesus could do these things. I'm giving you examples from regular folk, like you and me, flesh and blood, to build your faith that you get to play. To build your faith. Now, this man doesn't necessarily say whether he had faith or not. He was expecting money. But I do believe when Peter, before Peter gave that command of faith, in the gifts of the Spirit, later on in 1 Corinthians 12, you can study that out, there's the gift of faith and the gift of the of working of a miracle. So those two gifts combined as he gave that command of faith. It was the Holy Spirit moved him with gifts, those two gifts, those who understand the manifestation gifts a good bit. Acts 9.32 Next one, a man named Aeneas. I'm going to go back and read that from this. The other notes here, 9.32. Okay. Now it came to pass as Peter, so this is Peter again, went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Uh, Marissa, could you come up? Could the worship team start coming up? There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. Eight years. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, here's the command, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately, so all who dwelt in Lydda, and Sharon, or Sharon, saw him and turned to the Lord. So this is the Apostle Peter. And um, it doesn't say what preceded this command of faith. The Bible doesn't say the whole thing, but he very well could have gone through the step process and interviewed him. And then he found out, oh, you've been this way eight years. And then he got, then he did his diagnosis wasn't, oh, you've got this demonic thing, or it was just natural. Something happened eight years ago that caused him to be able to not able to walk. And that was the extent of that, or, or maybe he did get something else. Um, let the word just kind of build your faith here in these last minutes. Y'all can just start, Newton. Holy Spirit, come as we look at a couple more examples. Really one here. The resurrection of a dead person through Peter. We see ones of Paul here. 
as well in one of Jesus, the, the rebuke of a demon through Paul. We see the pronouncement of faith. But I want to share, I want to close with this one because it just really touched me. It's Acts 9, 36 through 42. Peter says to Tabitha, who died, rise, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. I want to go ahead and go look at the whole, the whole passage here. <clears throat> at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, it's about 10 to 12 miles. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. So they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. So Peter walks 12, 10 to 12 miles. Verse 39, then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out of the room. He knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Command of faith, prayer from God. Tabitha, arise. Be like as if Jesus, the Lord was just, arise, get, get up. She's dead. She's dead. He says to a dead body, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. So the widows come back in. He says, here's your friend. You were weeping. She's alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Now notice a couple of things. This woman, Tabitha, it says she was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Now, I don't have a big point here, but I think it's notable that the Holy Spirit saw fit to put that description about Tabitha in the eternal word of God. That Tabitha was full of charitable deeds and good works. I'm not saying she earned the resurrection, but I am saying God took note of that and had the Holy Spirit say, put that in. Because all scripture is inspired by God and profitable. The second point is this, is this touched me so much that five widows were witnesses to this resurrection. So here's my thought. Widows have lost their husbands. They've lost the only way of life that they have been in for decades. They've lost the love of their life. They've lost all, just what they were used to. They'd lost that. And so their hope 
for the future was probably, they were probably struggling about everything I've known and my husband's gone. And, and then it's probably, most scholars say Tabitha was a widow herself. So here's, her, here's their friend dead. And so I believe they were struggling with faith at that time. Struggling with hope. Because their hope that everything was... So I believe when Peter was used through the command of faith to see Tabitha resurrected, the first thing he did was, hey, bring the widows in and let them see that they serve a resurrected God. That they, I believe, not only were Tabith, was Tabitha raised up and resurrected, I believe many of their hopes and dreams were resurrected as well. That's who he is. Would you stand up to your feet? Scripture says, be being filled, Ephesians 5.18. Don't just be filled once, but daily. Be, be filled with the Spirit. It's a continuing process in which you have to be receptive and open so that you constantly receive these manifestations for service. So you can pronounce, make a, 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 so you can rebuke a demon or do a command of faith or pray in tongues. Or, so you can know what to do. And so I want to ask you to just consider for a moment if you want to be receptive and open to anything the Holy Spirit may lead you to do. I want to pray for you right now. I actually, I would like Marissa and the team just to sing a little bit because I believe I want to invite the, the graciousness, the presence of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. I think there's a theme here, Marissa, with staying steady, staying focused, but a strength to, to, and then I'll pray for all of us that we would stay open and receptive for the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.